What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Bad Signal Podcast. What is up, good people? It is Wednesday, September 21st. Do you remember 21st night of September? It's a special day for Earth, Wind, and Fire. It's a special day for NFL fans. We have the illustrious Brian Baldinger back on the podcast. Yes, we had him in the summer to talk about a few preseason predictions. We broke down the AFC East, but we bring in Baldy. From NFL Network, NFL Films, we bring him in for a 20-pack of questions. 20 questions with Baldy. So stay tuned for that. Very informative for every NFL fan. And let me tell you what is really informative for you on Sundays, on Saturdays, on Fridays, when you're making your picks for the weekend. You better be tuning into Better Edge because I'm making my picks. And guess what? I went nine and two last week. Ooh, were you following or were you fading? Because if you faded, you lost all your money. Go ask Steve Armato how he feels after his Sunday slate being all boastful, saying, oh, you know, he went five and one in the first first week of the season. Well, Stevie's back to being one and five. Anyways, if you want to get in with Better Edge, you better be following me on the app because I'll make my pick six. I'll make my, you know, solid pick six predictions for Sunday, but there's other picks that I'm making, including, you know, mystery picks. I, I had Jacksonville money line on Sunday, which, you know, I had a nice little, uh, I had a nice little catch there. I have some over unders that I'm making predictions on. And of course, I mean, like, listen, I didn't announce my Monday picks, but I did take Buffalo minus 10 which won in a landslide, and I took the Eagles, minus three. Tips and copy fades are all available on Better Edge. So betteredge.com slash Courtney, get involved, guys, because I'm not going to be making all of the announcements of all of my picks. So if you really want to know what I am choosing and what I am siding with on any given Sunday, any given Monday, any given Thursday, Join the app and join our community on betteredge.com. We are also presented by Underdog Fantasy. Courtney is the code. We need to get you in on some pickums. I almost hit my pickum last week. I almost hit it. I did a pickum for the Ravens and the Dolphins game. And when I tell you that I missed this pick four entry, over unders in one slate, $15 to win $150. I missed it by Lamar Jackson, one pass attempt. For real, one. Listen, we're going we're gonna to hit one of these, one of these days. But we got a big underdog fantasy segment that we're going to be launching on Friday's podcast. Yes, if you're listening to this, this is Wednesday. So stay tuned because we will have you covered for underdog fantasy, for all of your fantasy needs, your props, pick'ems, 
all of that stuff on Bad Signal Podcast. So um, I think that we got all of the uh, the business out of the way. Without further ado, let's polish up week two with my buddy, Brian Baldinger. Welcome back to another episode of the Bad Signal Podcast. Brian Baldinger on the show, looking very colorful. You're looking like you're going straight out to Woodstock 1969. Well, I don't know about that, Courtney, but, you know, I live in a film room. I'm here now on the third floor of NFL Films, and I I, I just create my own little fantasy bubble while I'm okay. watching all these games. And so I figure if I just kind of show up at 6 in the morning in a colorful feeling, like maybe I'll be down where you're at in South Florida. Like I'll just mentally put myself there. Do you spend a lot of your time up North or you really wish that you were down here, down South? Well, I mean, everybody wishes they were in South Florida. I mean, it's just a better lifestyle, but I can get a lot of work done that I can't get done there. And so it's a busy time of the year. So I'll sneak down there. I'll be in Tampa this weekend for the game, uh, announcing the battle of the bays here this weekend. But um, I might sneak down there maybe, on Friday, if I can, for a day, just to jump in the water okay. and um, see a sunset or a sunrise, and I'll get over to Tampa. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's what you got to do down here in South Florida. Well, you know that there's a, a hurricane watch. Apparently, it's not really looking so good for us over the next couple of weeks, but I will hold my breath on that statement because we have had a very, very good Florida summer. How has your uh, NFL season gone so far, Baldy? I know that week two has brought upon a lot of drama, a lot of overreactions. What is your favorite overreaction that you want to debunk right here, right now on the podcast? Oh, uh, you know, I don't want to write any 0-2 team off, any of the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, I don't want to write anybody off. Like, nobody plays in the preseason. Very few teams do. Uh, people are ready to write the Arizona Cardinals off last week, you know, after a blowout loss by Kansas City. And I announced that game. I saw how bad it was. So there is a lot of overreaction, like you said, but I, I just feel like September, especially in a 17 game schedule, September is the, like the new August. And so whatever ails you, whatever issues you have, Bengals can't protect their quarterback, yeah. whatever your issues are, it's up to the coaches, the players to fix it. And so, you know, in Philadelphia on the opposite side, they're two and oh, and like, they've got this Super Bowl training all ready to go to Arizona. You know, like they haven't hit adversity yet, you know. So for anybody, whether you're 2-0, 0-2, the Jets look like they were 0-2 and going to be another Jet season. And then they had the greatest 60 seconds of football that they've had in 50 years. So this game, what I see, uh, Courtney, and I was in Baltimore last weekend for the Dolphins comeback. What I see right now, it's a little bit like the NBA, honestly, is that the athletes are so freakishly good and maybe better than they've ever been. That when these athletes get the ball in their hands, whether it's Jalen Waddle getting ready to do the Waddle, Tyreek Hill, Lamar Jackson, like these athletes are such, like uh, you know Kyler Murray, these athletes are so freakishly good right now, that the game could change on any given play, and I don't think it's ever been like that. I think this is like we're seeing the greatest collection of athletes in the NFL that we've seen ever before, and that's these games are being tilted like that. I saw a really interesting video. Albert Breer, my good friend, our good friend in, uh, in the media, he does a fantastic job. Yeah. He made a comment on it and he said that I've watched this like five or six times already. Basically, someone put a compilation of the four touchdowns that Tua Tungavailoa threw in the fourth quarter of that miraculous comeback 
against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. I would say that was more of a comeback for the Dolphins than it was a, a defensive collapse because to Tunga Bailoa, what we have seen, passing leader in the NFL, he flopped the screen so that Tua is a right-handed quarterback. And it said, I mean, like when you watch it, it, it makes you wonder if you've been judging Tua because he's a lefty, like all of this time. Is it, I mean, like, do you think the same way? Do you think that we've been judging Tua and criticizing him because we just don't see enough of left-handed quarterbacks? Because well, those true. passes looked real perfect. Yeah. Well, I mean, Tyreek came out and said it the offseason, and he wasn't disparaging Patrick Mahomes. He said, this is the most accurate quarterback I've been around. Wow. Yeah, I don't think he was just, you know, on a podcast just chirping. I think he I, – I think part of it was pumping up his new quarterback. But it yeah. does go to show you, though, Courtney, that, you know, the offense line was a joke in Miami, um, what they had been doing. And, you know, when you watch – a guy like Teron Armstead play like he's an elite player. Um, and he, he makes a difference. The coaching makes a difference in this business. Mike yeah. McDaniel is just a unique individual. Uh, I, I, I call it like I've known Mike a long time, but I call it revenge of the nerds. That's what he is, but he's, he's a fun nerd and he's very clever. And so, but it does, but, but beyond all that, the coaching and, and that is you've got to surround these quarterbacks. You've got to give them help. These guys don't do it by themselves. Patrick Mahomes looked awful in a Super Bowl game against Tampa, and they went out and fixed their offense line in one offseason. They struck gold in the draft. They struck gold in free agency. They made a trade, and they got themselves a line. And so you need an offense line. You need guys that can beat man coverage. You need a lot of things for these guys to really have a chance to flourish. And so two is doing that now, and I expect him to play at a high level. But – you know, he's got two guys that on any given moment can take the ball yeah. like we've seen now. You know, week one against New England, 41 yards, fourth and seven. He's dancing. So they've done a great job of building around Tua right now. And I think you're seeing the the fruits of that. What about their matchup this weekend? And I know I don't want to jump right into the week three stuff. I kind of want to wrap up week two because I got a bunch of questions. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, on the topic of the uh, the Miami Dolphins, that they are, they're welcoming in their first divisional opponent. And, I mean, a team that is leaps and bounds ahead of everyone in the NFL, or so it seems. I mean, the Bills are just absolutely obliterating teams. They've done this in the past where – Every time that they've won games, they've won it by well over 10 points. But when they lose games, they lose it by a very small margin. What can you assume that the Dolphins' defense is going to do to limit Stephon Diggs? I mean, not only that, they've got Isaiah McKenzie. They've got Gabriel Davis. I mean, what are they going to do to limit and make Josh Allen smaller if that is the case, if that's even possible? Well, there's a lot of things you can do. I mean, first of all, the the Buffalo Bills have owned the Miami Dolphins with Josh Allen. They, they've won seven in a row, Courtney. They're averaging over 35 points a game. Most of the games that they've played over the last four years haven't been close. That's just a fact. Now, that's one of the reasons why there's all these changes in Miami. So, but there's a lot of things you could do. You could take the air out of the ball. You, you can limit the number of possessions that Buffalo has. You can keep Josh Allen off the field. Playing keep away is a good, is a good strategy. Mm -hmm. Buffalo hasn't seen the speed that's coming at them. They got a bunch of young corners, Dane Jackson, Kair Elam. Like they've got all these young corners out there. They got safeties that are really good, but they don't run real fast. So this is not a great matchup for Buffalo's defense. 
if they could protect. Now, there's Von Miller and Gregory Rousseau, and there's all these guys that can rush the passer that they haven't had. So the challenge is really good. But my guess is that it's going to be a tough matchup for both defenses. Um, we saw Xavier Howard, who I, I think is as good as there is a man covered, get smoked last week. You know, I mean, Rashad Bateman turned him around like he was a turnstile and went 75 yards. We, you know, we, we saw Lamar Jackson just run away from him. So uh, they, you know, they, they, they have good defenses and they have a good scheme, but that scheme got pierced last week. So and Buffalo is capable of doing it because whatever play Buffalo draws up, if you take it away, Josh Allen just extends the play and makes up his own play. So there's like two plays you have to defend the, the play that was designed you know, to go to Isaiah McKenzie and they cover him and they find Stefan Diggs on the other side of the field. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it might just be who has the ball last also, Courtney, it might yeah. be like a, a real shootout. Well, that would be exciting to see, especially yeah. down here in South Florida. I mean, like I have people, I'm looking at certain, uh, Dan Lebetard show, Chris Cody was saying, he goes, honestly, like, I felt like I was buzzing, like after a heat championship. I mean, he was like, that was the greatest Dolphins game in my lifetime. Yeah, That's probably. how serious things are down here. That's how exciting things are down here. Uh, let's switch gears to another team over in the AFC East. How early is it too early to assume that Mac Jones isn't the guy? Because a lot of people in New England are panicking. I, not myself, but a lot of people are panicking. Mm. They, you know, they they did a good job last week of winning that game. I mean, that's 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 a that defense destroyed Cincinnati the week before, and so they did a lot of different things. I mean, they didn't ask him to do a lot, but he scrambled. He scrambled three times, Courtney picked up three first downs. They got the ball with six thirty three to go in the game. They never gave it back to Pittsburgh. They couldn't give it back. I mean, it was the greatest four minute drill in the history. Mac Jones is a big part of it. He made some key throws. He scrambled some some times. Ran away from some Cam, Cam Hayward and. You know, some of the, the linebackers for the Steelers and he, you know, he, they're not a dynamic football team. He made a big throw to Nelson Aguilar, which was the difference in the game. Look, they put up 10 points. It's not enough. Um, they didn't, you know, have a good offensive day against uh, the Miami Dolphins a week before, but they don't have anybody there. There's nobody behind Mac Jones. That's going to be better than Mac Jones. It they have a certain style that they have to play and defensively, they played very, very well. Um, they, they completely shut Pittsburgh down last week and the week before outside of the waddle catch and run, they really played very well against Miami. So they're going to play, they're going to take the air out of the ball. They're going to probably allow you eight possessions in a game. Um, if they turn it over, it's probably one too many. So Mac Jones is doing kind of what they're built to do right now. The Patriots traded Justin Heron, maybe 30 minutes ago or so to the Raiders. What's the point of that? <laughs> like, I don't, well, I, it just feels was, like, you know, now it's, now it's almost like, Hey, any, any extra guys that we need, we're just going to funnel them over to, uh, to Nick, knock Nick Casario, uh, to uh, Dave Ziegler and to Josh, Josh McDaniels. Over well, Josh knows. I mean, they need offensive linemen in, in, in Oakland. So I'm sure, or in Las Vegas, I'm sure Josh was, is much in on this as anybody. Go yeah. just give me a guy that is versatile. Like one thing about, Heron is, he's very versatile, Courtney. He can play guard. He can play tackle. He did that for the Patriots. He started games for him. He backed up. So Josh kind of knows what he can do. So that's why he's going to that well. And for the Patriots, you know, they, you know, they've missed a lot of draft picks, but they, they value draft picks. 
So yeah. the more they, the more draft picks they get, the more hit and misses they can have. And, you know, maybe they find a Michael Wenyu, who's a really good player for them that, you know, they got in the middle rounds from Michigan. So um, they're always looking to stockpile picks. Yeah. What's going on with their tight ends? I mean, I feel like I the know. tight end, the tight end experiment for the Patriots, they drafted those two kids in back-to-back rounds, Devin Oskiaski and the other yeah. kid, which they released both of them. Yeah. Um, they picked up Hunter Henry. Um, you know, they, they picked up John o. Smith from the Titans. John o. Smith was a bust last year. Hunter Henry was a big score, but now John uh, Hunter Henry only has one red zone target. Um, is, I don't is, know. The, is the two, is the two tight end set just not working? I mean, well, I don't know what their offense is. I'll be honest with you, Courtney. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I guess, I is. guess that's my question. And, basically you know, that's more. really the question all off season once Josh went was, you know, okay, who's calling plays? What's the design? What's the offense? Because, you know, one thing that Josh McDaniels had when he, you know, even though he furloughed and went to Denver for a couple of years, is he had Brady and they had 20 years of experience where they could really go in the bank and call any play from any era and they could dial it up, whether it's just rewriting it up on the sideline on a whiteboard, whatever it was. They don't have that right now. Mm -hmm. So they got two guys in there, Joe Judge and Matt Patricia. And I don't know really how it's going, but um, how it's really going. You know, I, I mean, you could read from the outside anything I guess we want. We're not going to really know. But, you know, it doesn't look like it's the old two tight end sets that the Patriots loved and kind of really fostered in this league, you know, back when they had, you know, those two guys. But yes, um, one guy, I guess. I One, one guy, well, I, I call him Voldemort, thou who, thou who not shall, yeah. shall not be named. So, you know, so <laughs> like I haven't seen I haven't seen Hunter Henry show up yet. Yeah, now, I, they've thrown it to him a couple times, but they haven't really seen anything. So I don't know what their offense is. Like I don't see these YY formations, two tight ends, a whole bunch where they're 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 shifting strengths from one side of the field to the other, and they're doing a, you know a variety of things out of it. I just haven't seen it, and so uh, I think it's just the proverbial work in progress. All right, on the on the uh, the subject of overreactions, I feel like a lot of my questions here have have to do with all of the overreactions because we can kind of sit pretty on on a lot of these teams that have come back and win and surprised us. And trust me, I did not want to bet that game, the Raiders and the Cardinals, because I said I don't know what kind of a quarterback Kyler Murray is going to show me, and I am so glad that I didn't bet that. We can get to the Bengals, but I mean, like, who is entering the trade market faster? Is it the Colts? Or is it the Titans? Because, I mean, Matt Ryan, the expectations that are on his shoulders. If Jim Irsay isn't lighting that that uh, that building on fire right now in Indianapolis, I don't know. I don't know what he's doing. Well, you know, they went down to Jacksonville where they've lost now three in a row. Oh, and yeah. it hasn't been competitive in the three games. And so Jacksonville ripped them apart. Trevor Lawrence looked like a number one draft pick should. And I'm sure Jimmy Irsay, I played for Jim. I'm sure Jimmy Arcee is looking at Trevor Lawrence and going, what are we doing? Yeah. Why, why put these 35, 38 year old quarterbacks, not that Carson was, why put these stopgap quarterbacks in here? You know, thinking that everything else is just, is already fixed. Like, let's just do it the right way. Like Buffalo, you know, like what Jacksonville is doing. Cause Trevor played very well. He played his best game he's ever played. And Oh, by the way, he's won his last three in a row. Two of them were against the Colts, but he's won three in a row. And he looked like the proverbial number one pick. But defensively, the, like what they've done with their draft picks and what uh, Trayvon Walker looks like, what Josh Allen played like, what Devin, uh, you know, Allen, the linebackers look like right now, like they they look, they dominated the Colts. 
And so Matt Ryan can't fix that himself. The, the wide receivers, Pierce and Pittman were hurt. They didn't really have a lot of places to go, but the passing game hasn't looked good in, in three years. It hasn't looked good. So, and then they sh- completely shut down Jonathan Taylor. So then you go, well, Matt Pryor's not a left tackle, but he's playing left tackle. And they've got a backup center playing right guard. And what used to be a real strength for the Colts doesn't look like a strength at all in the offensive line. So right now, I mean, maybe this conversation is overreaction, but they don't look good at all. No. And um, and it's not supposed to look like that. So what do they do? Do they trade him or um, is there anyone in the backup? I mean, what, is it is it Jacob? Is Jacob Eason still on the Colts? And a backup. Well, they, 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 don't, they don't. I mean, they, look, it's hard. Like the 49ers are finding this out. It's hard to win games trying to develop yep. a new quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. So they can put anybody else in there. I don't think whoever else is there is going to look like Patrick Mahomes. Who sits first? Is it Ryan Tannehill with the Titans or is it Mitchell Trubisky with the mm. Pittsburgh Steelers? Well, I believe in Kenny Pickett a lot, Courtney. I mean, he just, he, he sees like, it's a cliche, but he sees the future. Like he, the ball comes out of his hands. They can't get the ball to their best player in Pittsburgh in George Pickens. He caught one pass. He was their only explosive play they had all day the other day, but he ran the best route anybody ran. And he's the, you just, I was in Latrobe this summer. Like you can't take your eyes off the guy. I mean, he's AJ green with swag is who he is. And you know, like he wants, they can't get the ball to him. So Kenny Pickett can get the ball to him. I, I don't know, and it's not a knock on Mitch Trubisky. The offensive line's terrible. The running back looks banged up, and he just he doesn't look like an explosive athlete. I like Jalen Warren behind him better, to be honest with you. What, the Najee uh, Harris? I'm talking about Najee Harris. I mean, yeah. you say that he's practicing, he's healthy. He's, you know, he just, he can't make anybody miss, and he keep trying to. Like, I don't know why he's dancing. Yeah. You know, he, he's running it with a style that just, unless you have, like, Jonathan Taylor type of ability to just explode out of your stance. Like you can't run like that. Just mm-hmm. run, just go. And he's not. So that's weird watching it. Um, in Tennessee, look, they, they want to, they want to feed the King in, in Derek Henry, their offense lines is, is atrocious mm-hmm. right now. So if that's the style you want to play, they're not getting anything out of the run game and their best, their best player, their best receivers in Philadelphia. So, uh, and A.J. Brown. So, like, they might have to go to the rookie, Malik, because he was the most exciting player that I saw in preseason. And at least he's going to give them, you know, a chance to extend some of these plays and create some plays. But the way they're going, and they might go right back to the well this week and try to pound, pound, you know, Derrick Henry. But, you know, they lost their left tackle. The right guard is new. Like, there's just – the left guard is new, Aaron Brewer. Like they just got a bunch of new guys up front that haven't got it figured out yet. Yeah. What about Patrick Mahomes? You're talking about all these quarterbacks can't step in here and become Patrick Mahomes. What has surprised you or not surprised you the most about this, about this quarterback? And we said that, Oh, the AFC West was going to be so competitive in this. And I don't think anyone uh, was expecting the Raiders to be 0-2 and and expecting them to have such a tough start with Derek Carr, which struggled so much in that first Mm -hmm. week, didn't even look like him. Um, Implementing a new offense with Josh McDaniels, whether or not that looks like Josh McDaniels' offense. But, I mean, are are we at least not surprised? Double negatives, terrible with broadcasting. Are we are we not surprised that Patrick Mahomes is as good as we thought he should be, if not better? That was one of the predictions of preseason where we thought, okay, 
This well, kid might actually be mouth, better. Courtney. Look, I mean, he's even better. I got it. That didn't come out of my mouth, but he's the best player in the league. Patrick Mahomes is the best player in this league and has been. And so I'm not saying that I have a history of Patrick. I did a lot of Texas Tech games when he was there with Cliff. Yeah. Um, I was around him a lot. He's just, you know, people love lists and they love comparing quarterbacks between generations. Like yes. he plays the game different than everybody. I mean, Josh Allen's the closest guy to him and nothing, take nothing away from Justin Herbert. They're all good. But Patrick Mahomes just plays the game different than everybody else. His ability to extend plays, navigate a pocket, make a throw from every angle, throw to Justin Watson like it's Tyreek Hill. Like it doesn't matter to him. Like he, and then you add the creativity of Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, you know, Matt Nagy, like the staff that they have, the offensive line that they have. Like it's a juggernaut. Like they are, they're just so far ahead of everybody else. And they've got enough guys. Like they don't, Tyreek Hill might make a difference when they need them and they're down 14 in the fourth quarter. Like that might come back to haunt them, maybe. But right now, they're 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 just fine with what they have. And the quarterback makes it all go. And he's just the most confident player. You can put any ball in his hands. You want to go beat the Boston Celtics, you know, at the end of the fourth quarter, put the ball in his hands from the three-point arc. He's going to drain it. Yeah. Like, I don't care if you're playing, you know, if you're playing lawn, like if you're doing lawn bowling, like you put a ball in that guy's hands, he's going to beat you, period. Yeah. That's who he is. Like, he's just the league's most exciting player and best player, and he shows it every week. I, I mean, like, I couldn't agree more. He's one of my fantasy quarterbacks, and I'm just, like, hanging up, hanging everything up on his on his dime every single week for my fantasy team. Lamar Jackson, was that a good risk that he could take for himself to bet on himself to get that $200 million guaranteed? I know that that's some, that, um, that, that range of guaranteed money was somewhere between 160 and 180, and he turned it down. Was this a smart move? I think that he's, you know, going to bet on himself. Or what, what's what is the future lie with with Lamar and well, and the the, Ravens, you know the last the last Ravens yeah. quarterback to do it was Joe Flacco, and he won a Super Bowl. I mean, he's probably the best. You know, I'm saying Matt Patrick Mahomes the best player in the league. I mean, Lamar Jackson was the best player on the field Sunday. He had a perfect quarterback rating in the first half. The Dolphins could do nothing to stop him. If he's making a, if he's building a case right now, Courtney for the richest contract ever given to any player in the history of football. Like, his resume right now is ridiculous. Like, he's carving teams up from the pocket, and he's making these throws look – like, he hasn't had one ball close to being intercepted. Like, his throws are just stick throw after stick throw. And it's to Devin Duvernay. It's to Rashad Bateman. It's to Isaiah Likely. It's to guys that nobody thinks are number one wide receivers or anything else. It doesn't matter. Like, Mm -hmm. his throws – and he's doing it right from the pocket, things that people said he could never do. So when he wants to go run, he could go 79 yards and have the longest you know play that he's ever had in the NFL and set the record for 100-yard rushing games by a quarterback in his fifth year. Like He's building a pretty good resume for the richest contract, and they've got a rich owner. So eventually they're just going to write the check. But is it a good move? Like, I don't know. Like, do you play blackjack, Courtney? Like, do you I do. Keep stacking and doubling down? Because that's what he's doing. And, like, he's going for the biggest Powerball ever of all time. I, there was a quote. I know that this is so random. There was a quote that my uh, Jason Light 
GM of the yeah. Buccaneers oh. told me, he said, Bill Belichick is the only person that I know that would bluff and double down on 14 and blackjack and win. Like, <laughs> that, okay. was like, that was one of those. I, I yeah. was like, all right, pretty that's risky. A that's, a, that's a good line. When does Jerry Jones have to keep his mouth shut? I mean, you see the mouthpiece. I, I understand that he's the mouthpiece for the for the Dallas Cowboys, and he's tried to corral an entire fan base that is on the brink of um, exhaustion, upset. The season is over, but, but when you've got to come out there and you're saying that Dak Prescott needs surgery right after the game without really consulting many doctors or orthopedic surgeons, saying that he's going to miss seven games, then he's going to miss four games, then he's going to come back after the like. Does he have to keep his mouth shut? Because to me, no. it's just like, Jerry, shut up. No, come on, man. Corey, oh, he's, been really? doing this since, he's been doing this since oh, God. You know, and Socks, since 1989. Jerry can't, he can't turn down a camera. He can't turn down a microphone. That's who he is. That's okay, though. Mm. He still can draft with the best of them. I mean, no, I mean, yeah, 10 other teams pass the microphone. He's great at there. drafting old, old linemen. I will tell him that. Well, Micah Parsons, you know, is he's the defensive player of the year right now. I mean, nobody can block him. They're now playing him at defensive end. He's the most exciting player on defense to watch in the league right now. Um, like Trayvon Diggs, like he can draft. So I don't know, like Cooper Rush found a way in the second start to have another fourth quarter comeback win. They salvaged the season early. Otherwise, that'd be, you know, story number one for you in this podcast mm -hmm. would be the death of the Cowboys after two weeks. But Cooper Rush found a way to get the ball to Noah Brown and a couple other guys yeah. to win the game and put them in field goal position to win it. Um, they salvaged their season. Like it's, it's not a pretty looking team, but I think, you know, they had three rookies out there basically playing Jake Ferguson, Jalen Smith or Tyler Smith, uh, Matt Farniak, you know, and they're finding a way. So it, there's a lot of football to be played, a lot of ways to win games in this league. Um, Jerry's going to keep talking. Courtney It's going to keep feeding the machine that the NFL media is and podcasts are, he's going to keep feeding it. So like, that's all, you know, he's got an empire. Nobody knows how to do what Jerry Jones does. Nobody. Listen, so, if I was, if I, if I was Jerry Jones, I wouldn't be sitting here on this podcast. And I think we all understand what I'm talking about there. He is Mr. Money man and the wealthiest franchise in the NFL. I think it was worth the Cowboys Cowboys are worth $8 billion. Never thought we you know would this, Courtney. I mean, you probably do since you're a good solid reporter. But you know, all these new stadiums are being built. Even yeah. the Clippers' new stadium, all of the yeah. luxury suites are built by Jerry Jones's company, Legends. Yeah. Legends builds out Allegiant Stadium, SoFi Stadium. Like he's getting a he, he's getting a kickback every month from these stadiums. You know, when the Clippers finish their stadium in Los Angeles, like this is Jerry Jones. Like nobody. Yeah. Has income streams the way Jerry does. Yeah. Well, I do know that uh, a couple of years ago, what it was a couple of years ago, he put in a $52 million internet upgrade to Jerry's world down there at AT&T stadium that was preparing for the internet for the next 10 years. I mean, like he is ahead of the game on everything. Yes. Um, everything in the, in the, every sense of the word. Look, if you're a player, Courtney, you want to play yeah. for Jerry Jones. Oh, of course. Of course. I want to play you know at the store. And that's part of the problem is he spoils these guys too much. Yeah. Like he, he, like you, you'll never get treated better than you do as a Dallas Cowboy and a Jerry Jones. Never, you know, whatever you need. And so, uh, there's no other organization run like that. And it's quite frankly, I think it's one of the problems. Like they, they, they get spoiled pretty quickly. And doesn't matter what the name of the 
back, you know, the name of the back of the jersey is. Yeah. Or either that or you can go and play for Tom Brady and get that like emotional, emotional support. You can be like, Tom Brady handpicked you, Cole Beasley, to mm -hmm. come out of retirement yeah. and, uh, and to be a wide receiver in the NFL. It's Brady's right? bunch. You know, everybody wants to be a part of Brady's bunch. No doubt, man. Oh, man. Well, speaking of uh, a guy that used to back up Tom Brady, my last question to you, Brian Baldinger, on this podcast is um, – the future of Jimmy Garoppolo and how sweet it is. I feel a lot better and a lot safer betting the 49ers now that, I mean, poor Trey Lance. You never, ever, ever want to see a player go down like that, get the cart brought out for him, season-ending ankle surgery. But um, it seems like the 49ers offense wasn't really clicking as much as they thought that they thought that they would. And they took a bet on Jimmy Garoppolo and paid him the most of a backup quarterback. I think it was $6.5 million. Dude made himself a cool 325000 as a backup since he completed more than 25% of the plays. He earned himself a win. Does Jimmy stay? What, what happens here, man? And I'm so glad, by the way, that we are not starting this nonsense BS argument. Oh, Jimmy Garoppolo needs to be traded to Dallas. Like, oh, my gosh, people. Come on. Well, like, they, Dak Prescott, that's Dak Prescott's team. Let's try not to ruin it. Stop with like your headlines, your fake headlines, your fake stories. Yeah. What happens to Jimmy Garoppolo? Does he stay a few more years? Or I mean, is that is that trade to the New York Giants next season inevitable? No, it's not inevitable. I mean, there's so many. I mean, the story is far from over. We didn't, a lot of people didn't predict that he would still be there. Seemed like an awkward situation, but now he was an expensive, you know, insurance policy. And they're very, everybody in that locker room is happy that he's there. He, yeah. The remarkable thing about him, honestly, Courtney, is he really played no football since they lost the championship game to the Rams. Had yeah. surgery in March, didn't throw a football till July, got no reps with the team. It was all about getting Trey Lance ready and, and building Trey's confidence. And so he comes in the game with 220 to go in the first quarter, and he looks like he'd never left. Yeah. And he had an offseason. I mean, he was very crisp. Anybody that was worrying about shoulder surgery to his throwing throwing uh, arm, um, he threw deep dart outs like were as crisp as we've ever seen him throw it. And he, he picked up where you would hope he would left off, but without any practice. It was really kind of amazing. Yeah. But the, the defense is championship-level defense. They're, they're phenomenal. Um, Talanoa Hufanga is an amazing player, and he's only going to get better. Um Freddie Warner, Nick Bosa, they're loaded defensively. If Jimmy goes out there and plays like he did against Seattle, I mean, they're going to be in the playoffs and they're going to be a team to beat. And so however it worked out, Courtney, it worked out in their favor. They made all the right decisions, all the right moves, even letting them rehab there when he was actively being trying to be traded. It all worked out. And sometimes that's how it works in sports or life. And as far as next year, look, I mean, it's it's hard to win games when you're a young quarterback. It's hard mm -hmm. to develop a quarterback. Right now, Trey has started a total of five games over the last three years, going back to North Dakota State. So yeah. he hasn't played a lot of football. I mean, yeah. and now he's, he's not going to play again. So it's going to be hard. It, Jimmy has a chance to be the hero right now. And, you know, and, and in, you know, in literature, we love the dark horse hero. I mean, yeah. that's what stories are all about. He has a chance to be Rocky here. And oh. redemption is an American trait that we love. And you can't help but cheer for Jimmy right now. I love it.
I'm going to put on my, uh, my, my, uh, my rainbow headband yeah. right now. And I'm going to ask you, even though the, the little tag is sticking up, it's perfect. What are you, uh, what are you analyzing on Baldy's breakdowns? Well, who is like, who is the big breakdown of the week? Well, this, you, you know, this friend. offense coordinator in Detroit, Ben Johnson is about the smartest guy there is in the league. Okay. And yeah, they, yeah. Dan Campbell made a good hire. Yeah. Um, this guy is super sharp. And they've had two great game plans. They lead a league in rushing, all this stuff. Like they played Minnesota this weekend. And when I watched this offense, they played with a backup center. They back played with a backup right guard last week and a left guard who I couldn't find on any roster. Yeah. Was that John Skipper? Yeah. Yeah. That was a guy that he hadn't played. He's played in the league for six years and he'd never started. And they put him in I here. Played. I, I couldn't find a play of his. And he goes out there and you can't tell the difference. So that's coaching. And they're re really, really smart about what they're doing. They're the only team in the league with three 50-yard rushing plays. Their explosive plays come out of the running game. Uh, Philadelphia couldn't stop it. Washington couldn't stop it. So I'm just kind of watching this guy and what he's doing and just some of the things that he's doing, which is really creative. And I think Detroit, like they did a, they did a really good job of hiding him during hard knocks all summer. Um, but I'm not letting the cat stay in the bag. I'm letting it out right now. You got to expose him. You got to expose all the good things. Well, hopefully yes. that game's not in prime time, right? Because uh, Kirk Cousins can't afford to fall on his face <laughs> one more time. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't one I of the one of the worst prime time quarterbacks of all time. No. Well, you know, I mean, I, I I tweeted out during the game against Philly on Monday night. Like he's a 500 quarterback. He's been in yeah. the league 11 years. He's got exactly the same number of wins as losses. Like when it's not going to change, it's who he is. Yeah. And so the team might be better around him. The the organization might be better around him, but I don't, and it's not a knock on Kurt. Like he's made more money than anybody, you know, and that's a credit to him. And, you know, he's studious and he's a professional and all that. But, you know, those throws that he gave to Derek, like Slay should have had four interceptions, not two. He yeah, should have yeah. had four in that game. So, I mean, you just can't throw the ball up like that. You know, it just, you, you're not going to win games like that. Yeah. I feel like every Sunday or the last couple of Sundays, it's either like the extreme highs or the extreme lows of the defensive back. It's like Darius Slay is the greatest. Jalen Ramsey is the worst. <laughs> and then it's like the extreme of, the life of a right, this wide receiver is the greatest of all time. Or we got Justin Jefferson and then we got Stefan Diggs. And I mean, you're going to have it either way, which well, is the perfect uh, completion of this podcast, because we're talking about these athletes being the greatest that we have seen, and I have talked about this so many times, the evolution of the athlete, that we are getting bigger, faster, stronger, and it is creating for a great product on the field. Brian Baldinger, yeah. my my rainbow headband says thank you to you. Yeah. Uh, headbands all around here, Courtney. Great job. Thank you. I'm sure I'll see you or talk to you in the semi-near future. Yes, I know. Uh, come, come, thanks for having me. No, thank you. Come visit in South Florida before we get another hurricane. God. Yes,